Hey everyone, welcome to Scrying and Crying, the Raven Cycle podcast. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Teresa, and we're here to discuss our last section of The Raven King, chapters 50 to the epilogue. Teresa, we did it. Oh my god. We really do say this every episode, but, like, but this but for time... Real, this time it's real. <laughs> Depending on where you began the story, it was about two girls who finished a podcast Aww. about crying. It's called Crying and Crying about the Raven Cycle. Anyway. I, I have to, and this is not like a knock on anyone except myself. I did not think that, that we would actually finish this because oh, no. I was like, that's a lot of reading. That's a lot of work. We have lives. Like, we'll do this and then maybe we won't finish it. But we did. And I'm so proud of us. Well, I think what we figured out is that we don't really have lives because we're able to make this happen. I mean, um, well, we, do, we or, have lives. We're able to we make just, this happen. We prioritize. We just make the time. Yes. Yeah, that's true. You can make time for anything, people, including something silly like a book podcast with your friends. Do it. I highly recommend it. Um, yeah. It's my advice to everybody now is to start a podcast. Do it. Everyone's doing it's it. So much fun. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's, I don't know, I guess this is a little inside baseball, we don't have to get too into it, but it's been, even though it hasn't been that long since we last put out an episode, it's been such a long time since we recorded, um, and it's, it's like, do I remember how to do this? But I think so. Yeah, you can do it. All right. Thanks, friend. It's like riding a bike. <laughs> <laughs> Only you're just sitting in a chair. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I'm thankful for you for going on the journey with me. I am thankful for you. I we need to like go back and find. Well, I don't know. That might be impossible. We text a lot, but we like. I wish we could go back and find the original. Like, hey, what if we like we actually did this um, rumblings all those years ago? Now, I guess it's only been a year, but um, like a year and a half ago, probably. Yeah. Oh my god, that's crazy. I I just can't even believe it. We're here. And, like, regardless of how we feel about this book, I'm very happy that we've yes, made it this far. Agreed. It's We were kind of talking <laughs> about how, like, the the very this very last chunk is, like, our least favorite of the entire series and what a bummer note that is to go out on. But uh, that's just kind of the way that it is. Yeah, thanks, Maggie. Thanks, Maggie. <laughs> But really, thank you, um, because, again, you know, it didn't stop us from making a whole damn podcast about it. But uh, Oh, of course. But, yeah, it was, like, when we were like, okay, we're going to record on Tuesday, it was like, oh, God, we actually have to, like, read the last section. Uh. <laughs> oh, but man. it's not all bad. Um, I don't know. It's hard to... Do you remember what Maggie was saying? I think this was at the seminar where she said that, like, readers will forgive plot weakness if there's like enough other good stuff in it yeah and i forget what the example was but she's like if you've got one really good scene or like a really memorable scene like readers will forgive everything else which mm, i'm not i mean i don't know (laughs) what am i trying to say we're not here to talk shit about maggie oh wait yes we are um but like this is the part where the limit her limitations of plot building this is where it takes us right and like i just i don't think there's a whole 
group of people who really love it when a when a book just kind of peters out, you know. And I think, like, I mean, I think part of the part of the struggle is that, um, like, with like long series like this, I mean, because I felt this way at the end of the Hunger Games, I felt this way to a certain extent about Harry Potter. I think there's so much buildup. It's kind of like series finales. It's like there's so yeah. much buildup that it's like, okay, you have to suddenly like make the readers believe that it's worth it, that they've invested all of these pages and wrap everything up as neatly as possible. And it has to satisfy everyone. And that's basically an impossible order. Like there's no way to please everybody, obviously. So I think there's always going to be a bit of a letdown, but I think in this case, there just seems like really obvious points that, um, is, is hard to like skip over. Okay, well, one point of contention is that the end of Friday Night Lights is perfect, and I will well, not yes, listen no. to anybody argue with totally me about true. that. It's totally possible. It's just really, really rare. No, Friday Night Lights um, is a perfect finale. That's true. Everyone go watch Friday Night Lights, even though it's not on Netflix anymore, which saddens oh, me such greatly. A um, but no, I think you're totally right. I think especially with writing something where you care so much about the characters... It's just impossible for for it to live up to anyone's expectations, right? And especially um, since you've given the readers all this time to like write their own theories, and they're just like absolutely sure that this is the way that it's going to happen, and it's almost never true. And so you have to deal with that disappointment of you know. Um, that I, I don't want to get off on too much of a chan- tangent, but like I watched Breaking Bad, like couple years after the original run of the series I never watched it live um and I loved the finale like I thought it was perfect and then I went back and like was reading some AV club things that were written at the time and a lot of people had trouble with it and I think it's because they'd had all of that time to you know like there's like the bubble that you get into with fandom where you know you're feeding off of each other's theories and you suddenly don't even know like what's canon anymore um, yes. and then, and then the finale comes along and totally bursts that canon bubble and you go, wait, well, I, but, but we had all of these like lengthy comment threads about this. How is it? <laughs> why, why didn't it end this way? And, you know, I think it's really easy to fall trap to that. Well, you can also go to things like lost that like for a huge amount of time was feeding into everyone's fan theories and they were like kind of jerking people around and like confirming some things and not confirming other things. And then it gets to the end and everyone's just like, well, you didn't explain why there are polar bears. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just, it's really easy to get, to get your expectations high when you really love something. Right. And so I, I feel like that's, it's kind of like, it's kind of how you grow up as a fan is that you realize that like how you feel about something says more about you than it does about like the thing sometimes. And when people get really disappointed by this kind of stuff, it it makes me think um, like possibly like, you know, what, how could you have possibly been satisfied? Right. Um, But you know, to get back to what we're doing tonight, like, yeah, this is the last quarter of the fourth book of The Raven King. And if I had written a four books trilogy that was 75% or what, like 85% really, really good, 
I would be like, God damn. Oh yeah. No, it's, I mean, she still deserves, you know, it's, it's still why we're here. We're all listening because we love this series. So clearly it didn't like ruin it for us. All right, Caitlin, are you ready for chapter 50? Let's do this. All right. Well, I guess we should say a little bit where we left off. Uh, what's Cansey doing? Uh, he's going to go find Glendower. Really? Like you do. Oh my God. <laughs> and that's it. That's, that's everything that's going on. I mean, <laughs> a bunch of like crows and wildlife assembled outside 300 Fox way. And he just gets in the pig and goes. Yeah. And, uh, there's something about Gwenthian's mother is Neve and well, we won't, we'll never hear anything else about that. Yeah. But, <laughs> and also who cares? Yeah. Also who cares? <laughs> Um, so Ronan is still sleeping in his car, which is the most Ronan grieving process totally. ever. Totally. Because Ronan's now an orphan, which is fine. It's horrible. He's orphan boy oh my who God. has an orphan girl. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, at least he still has his dad friend for the moment. Yeah. So Gwenthian wakes them all up in the most Gwenthian way and tells them that he's that Gansy's flown the coop with all the other birds. And Blue is there and the Mara and Kala are there and this is the last we get of Mara and Kala, which makes me really sad. Oh my god, that's true. It's yeah. That's, that's this, this is the last bit. So like we don't we don't get any kind of scene where like there's no more everybody gathering in the kitchen at Three Hundred Fox Way. There's nothing like that. Yeah, that's that's a bummer. I mean, Calla yeah. doesn't even have any last lines, does she? She's just there, but she doesn't have one last bite of Calla-ness, which is unfortunate. I think so. Like I I don't see anything. Yeah, I don't think she even has a line. That makes me sad. Um, but so they've decided that, um, the Gansey doesn't get to do this by himself, even though he wants to, because, you know, he's, he's a king and this is his quest and, you know, all of that, that heroic bullshit. (laughs) I like the line, um, he can't go alone. Adam said, he'll do something stupid. I'm infinitely aware. Blue replied. Classic old marrieds being fed up with each other. Oh my god. She has had it up to here with this bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Um I Ronan is Ronan is killing me because he thinks to himself, if I can't save my old family, I can (gasps) save my new one. Found family. Family. <laughs> it's the it's the best, and yeah, I that that line struck me too. Um, I will not let the demon have everything. Yeah, and again, I mean, we've talked so much about like the Ronin of um, like who we meet in the Raven Boys and the Ronin of now, but I think this is such a like um, sign of like. Ronan becoming so active in all of this. Um, 
I think, I don't know. I feel like old Ronan at the thought of like potentially losing Gansey, um, would have like, well, uh, I don't know. I'm not being very articulate. Um, no, I, I get what you're saying, you know? Old Ronan might have done something more self-destructive. Or just, like, defeatist. Like, yeah, just like, well, this is what's going to happen, and it's bullshit, and that's life, because I lost my father, and now I'm going to lose Gansey. And Ronan's just not, like, accepting that, and I think that's um, another sign of growth on his part. Well, and that Ronan's no longer an army of one. He's he's a member of the team, you know, right. in this found family. Like, he's an important pillar of the, of the of you know the the group of magicians you know he's very important and he's found that purpose and like he will literally go like when he's sitting in the car like crying over his mother he's he asks Gansey what what are we going to do next I know. what do you need me Tell to me do what to do <sighs> okay so Blue holds Adam's hand while he's scrying, while Ronan is going to dream up something so they can go find Gansey. There is a lot of magic happening in that BMW right now. (laughs) Yes. For sure. Um, So, chapter 51, the Camaro broke down, which if you're going to pick one cliche of these books, the Camaro breaking down is one of my favorites because it's how we start these books. How? The Camaro breaks down. Even the, like, and it's a, it's the dreamt Camaro and it still breaks down. I mean, I guess, yeah. I guess Ronan was going for authenticity, but it's like, geez. <laughs> <laughs> no, because he had, a, he had a couple of tries where like th- things weren't right. Yeah. And of course there's the one without the engine, which we'll get back to later. And but no, he the whole point of him dreaming it is that he dreamt the perfect one. So of course it breaks oh, down. Oh well, and I guess if the demon is unmaking everything, then of course it's going to break down. I hadn't thought yeah, of that. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Um, Good thought. Yeah. Um. So he's broken down, and the Camaro is not turning on, and our favorite person shows up, Henry, in his Henry in his Fisker, which I don't even know what that is. No idea. I mean, I'll do a quick Google, but I also don't really care. Fisker car. It's supposed, It's just like a, oh, it's it kind of looks like a Tesla to me. Oh, okay. Like That makes sense. Yeah. It's like a douchey electric car, like a douchey rich person's electric that car. That seems appropriate. <laughs> and Gansy's like, oh, hey, bo- what's up? What are you guys doing here? Yeah, it's... And... Uh, <laughs> Okay, and Henry says, Robo B was told to tell me if you needed me. So I say again unto thee, what's happening? Um, I put in the Google Doc that I have a harder time believing in Robo B than any of the other magical realism points in this book. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> it's such... It's very much the, uh, the electronic of convenience. Well, I mean, it's such a... Like, and it's such a nitpick, whatever. It's But it's like, it just happens to appear in book four... And, I mean, it's really nothing more than just, like, GPS, and it's 100% something that probably already exists, but, or or something like it, but I'm just, like, really a fucking bee that tells them, just happens to tell them where Gansey is, come on, like, uh, it's frustrating <laughs> to me, I'm, I don't know, I'm probably the only one, but. I think, I think 
If we know anything about Maggie, we know that like she picks these motifs for a reason, and I think she made it be a bee just to have that scene where he's in the cave, he's in the hole with Henry. Oh, sure, yeah. And Henry asks him to trust him, and then it just be- it becomes like the the Helen Gansey helicopter pilot of the rest of the it's, book. We're like, oh, it's awfully convenient that she you know knows how to fly. Oh, right, no, it's it's beautiful and it's symmetry, and I totally get it. But it's yeah. I was just kind of chuckling to myself because like Robo Bee always frustrates me, and it's like I have no problem with like. <laughs> Ronan dreaming shit and I have no problem with you know people scrying into grape juice like that's totally fine but but a robo bee and Adam GPS... having a partnership with the forest right. yeah that's just like normal but, but a but a robo bee that can locate people nah man uh, that's just a, that's just a bridge too far <laughs> this is where Caitlin draws this the line is where I draw the line um and so Henry's like you should drive my car and we'll go do this and so they go drive across Virginia in the middle of the night, and honestly, it's a little boring. I They're don't following really care. the birds. They're following the birds. They're on I-66. Henry's sending... Is he texting the other people? I don't know what he's doing. He's telling Robobee where to go. I don't know. He Well, he like knows where the cops are, and... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's. I guess he's basically so, following Robobee on like the equivalent of Google Maps, but for Robobee. <laughs> um, so where does Robobee take them? Robobee takes them to where Gansey died. What the first time? To a mansion in somewhere in Northern Virginia near DC, where this fundraiser was. Where he got stung by wasps and died. And this is where the crows land, or the ravens land. And it is pretty creepy, mm-hmm. I gotta say. It is the creepiest episode of House Hunters I know. ever. <laughs> <laughs> you should you should read the Henry the Henry line. Oh, not a lot of curb appeal, Henry noted. Bit of a fixer-upper. Would be gr- would be some great zombie parties on the roof, though. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> so, Henry needs to be on HDTV, for sure. I would watch that. I would watch the hell out of that show. Second. <laughs> um, yeah. I think what we've learned is that, like, we love Henry, and... There needs to be, I really want to let Henry in the trilogy yeah, as much as like possible. And yeah, he's, he's like the shining light in the rest of this book. It's quite really, honestly. everything he said, it's really says true. Delights me. It's, I'm, I don't know. There was a part of me that was kind of like, well, why didn't we get more Henry? But I think, I think he needed to be the kind of like, um, I don't know just the the thing that kind of helped drive this book forward and to kind of be, you know, everybody's now so comfortable with each other. Blue's no longer the outsider. She's one of the insiders. So we kind of needed a new like person to stand back and we'll get there, but somebody to go back and be like, uh, why don't you just like magic the shit out of this? You (laughs) dummies. Um, so good old Henry. I love him. Yeah. Um, he has great lines and, and so we go back to to Ronan in the dream world and Cal is sitting on the hood of the BMW, Mara sitting in the back seat. 
and they're making trying to make magic happen. They're trying. He's trying to create this magical device that will help them find Gansey. And um, everything is just awful in his dreams. And Adam is there, and there's a fake version of Adam who sounds like his dad, and, and it's horrible. Oh God, God, it's terrible. And um. I'm not asking him to stay, Ronan thought, only to come back. Oh, the best. Fuck. So good. <laughs> so good. So much growth. Look at this mature boy. I'm so proud I'm of him. I'm so proud of him. My son. And it's, oh um, boy, yeah. No, like, we've talked before about, like, how, like, being the one who stays is, like, oh. this trope that we really enjoy. Speaking and my if, language. If this is... <laughs> if this is what we get in the trilogy, I am here for that. Yeah. But anyway, I'm just, it's traumatizing. And also, it's not really anything we haven't had before in this book. It's horrible. It's horrible. And like, Ronan sees like a dead Gansey yeah who was torn apart by one of the night the night horrors and it's just like oh I am turning the page because I'm done talking about it yeah no it's it's dark and creepy and scary um so yeah so now chapter 53 gets back to Gansey now at the old mansion and basically this whole chapter is recounting that day where Gansey kind of goes off into the fields um, behind this house and it's like what spring summer and I think it's summer and he's he's playing hide and seek right because he was I should know this 10 yes because he's 17 now right um one heartbreaking detail is that his parents have a lovely garden but he's not allowed to go I out know. in it because of the bee thing. This is um, this is like really weird timing and slightly a tangent. <laughs> I was listening to an episode of Doughboys Do today and Jason Manzoukas was on and he was talking about how um, he is like deathly allergic to eggs and it makes like eating like out really difficult because you don't know like if you can trust places and he's like anaphylactically allergic to eggs like has had he was like talking about times that he's like been on set and eat something from craft service that should have been like safe but had traces of egg in it and he has to leave work to go to the hospital like like deathly like carries an EpiPen deathly allergic to eggs oh my god! and he was talking about like you know, growing up as a kid and be not like feeling that feeling that you usually have when you're a kid where you're, I'm invincible, I can do anything. He said something like, I was like, as a kid, I was very aware of my own mortality. Oh my God. <laughs> and it's like, this is so, it's like, no wonder Gansey always acts like he's a thousand years old because at seven or excuse me, at 10, he was like, oh, yep, death is imminent. Death is anywhere and everywhere. It's just like, anyway, it just really reminded me I could die at any moment. No, that is such a good point. Yeah. I can't imagine, like, I mean, first of all, Gansey was probably born 100 years old in the first place. Right. But, like, all Benjamin this Button just style. makes some... <laughs> 
But that on top of like actually knowing that you're going to die and knowing when mm-hmm. and knowing that you have an expiration date, basically. Oh, this poor kid. He's only 17. He's still a child. I know. But he hasn't gotten to be, really. Nope. He was born. Born an old man. Into responsibility and privilege and so many complicated things. And so they kind of break in. And Henry, does Henry basically say, I've been here before? I have discovered that at some point the side door was broken into by a teenage Korean vandal, or is he just saying he broke he, in? I think he's just saying like <laughs> I, I just I just broke in. <laughs> That's Henry being Henry, always giving us plausible deniability. Yeah. Thanks, Henry. Um, and so, and he calls he calls Nancy something different every time he talks to him, and I, it's just my favorite. Thing. So good. It's like the little running joke of is he going to be Dick? Is it going to be Richard? Um, and so Henry talks about what Jiang is, which is basically like the feeling that they have between them of like fast friendship, blood brothers. Which I love. We instead of you and me. That's um, like, I know. Oh, that's so good. I mean, we've talked in previous episodes about how like Henry's been playing a long game, and this is like the culmination of that. It's it's like yes, we're we're friends. We're more than friends. Um, we like they've solidified that bond that like Gansey has with the rest of the the crew. Um, and that's really nice. He's a fully fledged member of the team. Yep. He's just not so magical. Should we split up, or is this a horror movie? Scream if something eats you, Gansey said. <laughs> <laughs> that did make me laugh. Um, and so he's going through the house. And he goes outside. Can I read a line that, like, destroyed me? Of course. Uh, Did he still know any of the children he'd played with at that party? Hide and seek. He'd hidden so well that he'd become dead, and even when he'd been resurrected, he was still obscured from them. He had stumbled onto a different road by accident. (sighs) That's good. That's torturous. I do really enjoy the Gansey POV in these books. I feel like... It's not that there are, there are some, I enjoy them all for different reasons, but I love Gansey just for, cause he's so introspective, which you have to be mm-hmm. if you're Gansey. Like he literally thinks about everything. He thinks himself into panic attacks. He thinks himself to like, like chronic bouts of insomnia. And it, it just makes reading what he, what's going on in his mind really rich. Really fascinating. Yeah. And, like, he's carrying around this guilt of, like, all of the things that have happened to his friends because he's been following them around. He's, he, they've been following him around. What had it been to Owen Glendower to know that they fought because you called them to? And it's just, like, fuck. All the parallels. And so it doesn't end there. <laughs> so we're going to no, find no. out. It sure doesn't. And so he's out there, like, basically in the place where he died. Which, you know, he can't, you know, doesn't have any sort of trigger whatsoever. Oh, yeah. He's definitely still with us. (laughs) I'm so worried about him. 
He remembered thinking that it would only ruin the party by reappearing covered with hornets. Oh, my word. My God. Who is this, who is this person? Oh, not any 10-year-old I've ever met. Um... He must have. He must have been. He must have been saved to find Glendower. He must have been saved to kill the Sneeman. And then Henry calls him to go look at a hole in the ground, which is like another recurring theme in these books. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> uh, so there's a cave opening behind beneath the house, um, and basically we're led to believe that him calling, you know, the ley line to show him where Glendower is basically opened this hole under the house. Like, the hole hasn't always been there. Okay. That makes sense. Which confused me at first. And I was like, oh, okay, oh, wait. No, they're talking about furniture being broken and stuff. Like, I mean, that oh, would be an epic reason for, okay, a, yeah. for a mansion to not be sold. Would Like, though there's a giant fucking cave <laughs> under it. Like, <laughs> you, turn it, you could turn it into a lovely finished basement. Um, we'll just go on forever. Yeah, exactly. It's just <laughs> super versatile. I don't even think Chip and Joanna can spin this. Nope. Uh, <laughs> um, and so Kenzie goes down into the hole by himself because he's an idiot. <laughs> Sorry, Henry. I hate him so I much. I feel like they should possibly renovate this basement if they want to get a good sale price. Hardwood floors, update the doorknobs, <laughs> maybe put the wall back. <laughs> I wonder, I bet she had the most fun writing Henry. Oh my God. No. So I, I can't wait for like, I just, I want all of the Henry. And it's just, it's great to have like a character that's there, not just for comic relief, but who is very funny. Mm-hmm. Like that's part of his character. Right. And very smart. Um, so he basically goes uh, spelunking without any caving equipment, which, you know, super smart, right? And he's alone. Yeah, even a better idea. And we get the last mention of Excelsior, which I'm totally not emotional about. No, of course at all. not. That word means nothing. <laughs> and, oh, and most importantly, Henry gives Gansey his Aglenby sweater. Oh, oh my God. I'd forgotten that part that it's Henry's sweater all along and never had Gansey's sweater. Oh my word. And this is what makes it the end. Cause he's wearing the Aglenby sweater, even though there wasn't school that day. See, This is what, again, another entry in Caitlin's a terrible reader. I think by the time that I had gotten to this part, I was just so like furiously flipping pages so that I could like finish it as soon as possible. So many of these details just completely went by me. I think that's like such an amazing, like, um, subtle plot twist that it that you know Blue sees him in his Aglandby sweater, but it's not his Aglandby sweater. It's it's uh, Henry's, and that's really cool. Well, and it's it's kind of a way for her to write around him leaving Three Under Fox Way, and like he wouldn't leave Thrain of Foxway and put a sweater on, right? Right. Like, he was just climbing onto the roof, and then he wasn't going to be like, oh, well, let me make sure I'm dressed for this occasion. Right, of course. And it's another way for for us to know that, like, no, this is the end. This is, this is we're getting to right. it. Right. You know? And, and Blue's not there to notice this either, but we notice uh. it. 
I'm glad I mentioned that. Yeah, no, that's Super Bowl. Um, and I just wrote at, after Excelsior. I just wrote no <laughs> in purple pen. No, no. I write no a lot in this book. Um, so at 55, he walks through the tunnel for approximately forever. Yes. <laughs> this did feel really long. It's not that long, but it feels really long. Well, I, I don't. Is it some sort of magic trick? Like he's talking about time changing and his battery goes dead. Oh, also the most meta line maybe ever was he was a book and he was holding his final pages and he wanted to get to the end to find out how it went and he didn't want it to be over. And I'm like, did you mean everyone (laughs) reading this book? (laughs) That is literally how I feel reading every book. Yeah, exactly. Like, I have cried at the end of books just because I'm running out of pages. Like, There's got to be, you know, those, like, you know, words that, like, don't have an English translation. There has got to be some word for when you're getting... Yeah, there's a German word for this. You, you, like, hit, you start getting towards the end of the book, and you see how many pages there are left, and you're torn between, like, going super slow and just reading as fast as you can. It's, it's agonizing, but it's also really amazing. I legit cried when I was reading Foolish Hearts and I was running out of pages. I know. Guys, go read Foolish Hearts. It's so good. <laughs> it's delightful. Um, any Read anything MMLs wrote. Okay, anyway. Um, and so Henry's like, hey, guess what? Who's here? We're all here. LOL. <laughs> oh, um, sorry. Another cool detail is um, at some point during this like never-ending walk, um, He's in this cave, and a cool bit of water dripped on the crown of his head, and another slid down the collar of his shirt. He could feel the shoulders of Henry's borrowed sweater getting wet. Oh, Fuck. interesting. Interesting. <laughs> well, damn. Uh, um, so, yeah, surprise. Everyone's there. And, okay, how did they get there? Is, did they all apparate? Well, is there, like, another side of this cave? Time is, a, time is circular. Yeah, that's what you have to okay. understand. <laughs> questions well i mean it's don't doesn't he say later that like um because it's on because they're basically following the ley line time was all messed up and he thought that they had just been gone for a few hours and really it had been a whole day so i mean truly who knows time has no meaning oh my god why would you go alone, Blue asked. She flung her arms around him, and he felt her trembling. Hmm. I was trying to be heroic, Gansy said, holding her tight. Fuck. These two. And he says, I, don't want, I didn't want you guys to hurt anymore. Jeez. Adam said, you dumb shit. Adam speaks for all of us. <laughs> Seriously. They left restlessly, uneasily, because they needed to. And, like, you just get that, like, little, the little burst of humor is so important in this. And so, and Ronan made, like, Robo Firefly, basically? Yeah, then, which is, like, the way cooler sequel to Robo I guess, but it's also, she, like, never mentions it again, does she? It's like, oh. Um, no, he's he's on him later, oh, like, okay. when they're at Keepswater. He's still there. It's like, oh, here's a magic Firefly. Okay, cool. And then 56. Tell me to ask Robo V to find your king. 
which is a little bit like it's more Robobee than I expected, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> um, and so yeah, they find Glendar's tomb, which wow, <laughs> that's I, I think that pretty much sums say. it up. Wow. No, it's okay. So. One of the things that like I was thinking about in preparation for the recording is because I feel like it was pretty there was a like sizable consensus among the fandom that it's like after all of this, it's so anticlimactic um, for Clendower to just be dead. And I think I don't know. It's hard to go back to that time. Did I really know? Did I really believe that like they were going to find him? I don't know, but it seemed really at the time like we've gone through all of this just to find that there's nothing there. And I mean, I don't know if she's going for just like us mirroring the same heavy disappointment that all of like the characters have, then job well done. But um, but it was kind well, of frustrating as a reader. Like they found him. That's right. Huge. They did. But. They found him and, you know, the fact that he wasn't, he, they weren't able to wake him is not so shocking yeah, to me. I guess. It made sense to me that, that they couldn't wake Glendower. Because that was like the one magical realism where I'm just like, okay, everyone's just going to believe that they can wake Glendower and this is a thing. Yeah. And like, I don't even say that as somebody who like knew how this was going to work out. I just knew this as like... Because, like, we get a lot... There's a lot of foreshadowing. Like, the sadness of Artemis and, like, just how everyone's just kind of like, well, go find your king. See how that works out for you. You know, like, all the psychics are kind of treating him like, well, why don't you just do this already? It's not that important. I think, I think that's totally true. Like, I, I don't disagree with, like, that choice. I guess I... The timing of it... I do... I do... I get what you mean by everybody being disappointed by it. But, like... Was this really going to be Indiana Jones and the no. Holy Grail where the guy's awake at the I think, end and I think, tells him? Yeah. yeah, I guess my biggest qualm is just the timing of it. Um, yeah. It, it feels like maybe more of a, I mean, I don't know, book three would have had to be like an extra like 500 pages for it to all work. But, you know, I don't know. It's, I, I'm not going to like no, try I, to to like fix it or um because it is what it is I get but. what you mean and I think um Maggie says that the dream thieves was all about how do you dismantle Ronan Lynch right how do you dis- destroy Ronan Lynch book four is how do you destroy Richard Campbell Gansey the third true and that's give him his king and not have him wake up yeah no that's a good point and like because like this breaks him yeah because you know? it's because now it's literally like well now what because they were count they were counting on the favor to kill the demon and they all know what it means when they're not going to get that favor is that they've got to do something else and they don't none of them would want to admit what that other thing is I know but even if they use the favor to kill the demon that doesn't ruin that doesn't take care of the fact that. Um, Gansey is still on the, you know, the the ledger to die. Right. You know, it doesn't change the fact that Blue's Kiss is still going to kill him. Right. Like, 
you know, it, it makes sense that like he's selfless enough to like go through with this just so that could happen. But like, you know, he was hoping that like, Oh, and Glendara was going to be like, all right, my son, you are now, I'm going to fix you or whatever. Cause I'm magical. Right. And Oh, and Glendara was just dead. Yep. He's just bones. I do love the little line about like how he wondered if he should tell the historical community. <laughs> <laughs> if they would believe By him. the way. By the way, I found Don't this ask a ton of questions, you know. but I found this king. <laughs> Don't worry about it. You know, he's he's underground somewhere. Um and like there's there's a guy who's there's a skeleton there that's dead that has like a spear through the heart, I think. Right. Through the rib cage. And it's like, oh man, Artemis, bro, what were you doing? No. Although does that ever really get an answer? No, not really. No, nothing gets an answer. This is the Raven King. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I, 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 I could just quote every single Henry line, but at the beginning of 57, is that, is that what he's supposed to look like? Henry asked. It's like, (laughs) Oh, sweet Henry. No, no, he's not. (laughs) Nope, he's just dead. He's just super dead. He's been dead underground for like 400 years or however long it's been. And like it, okay, to go back to the whole Artemis thing, it does explain why Artemis is so like crazy, not helpful, because this is his best, his biggest failure. Yeah. Because he was the one who was responsible for this mission, probably. Because he's part tree or whatever the fuck. Uh, Who knows? I don't even have... (laughs) I feel like I have so little information about all of that that I can't even speak to it because there are so many questions. Maggie, why? Why would you do this? But this is why you can't get a word out of him. Because, like, you you know, he doesn't want to talk about this. Which, like, understandable. Sounds like it was a, like, not a great time for everyone involved. Yeah, Artemis and the very bad day. Um, so they try to wake him. Just, it does not work. No, it doesn't. Let's do it fast. I hate this place. It feels like it's eating my life. Ronan speaks for everyone. And they, they like, briefly think that maybe it's going to be, like, the Cave of Bones and they can just wake him up and he'll be there long enough to give them, you know, um, their their favor. Um, and, of course, nothing happens. And Genzi tries to command him to wake up. And a voice and nothing more... And then that said again in Latin. And it's just like, it's occurring to Gansey that this is not going to work. Well, and that this has all been, like, everything has. His entire, like, the past seven years of his life. has just been for, I mean, not for nothing, because, you know, met some. If Glendower had not saved Gansey's life, he did not know who to thank or who to be, or how to live. I know. 
have a major, major life crisis happening. Um, Every minute was giving way to another and then another, and slowly it sank into his heart all the way to the center. It was over. What if she just ended the book there? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would have burned it. I know. would have thrown it across the room. Okay, we need to talk about how the beginning of chapter 58 is Gansey had forgotten how many times he had been told he was destined for greatness. Was this all there was? Oh my god, that sounds so funny. I know. Is that from the first book? I think it might like, be. The first fucking line of the first what? book? <laughs> oh man. I think it's, well, I think technically it's the first line of this book. Because the first line of the first book is Blue had forgotten how many times, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it's the, it's the first line of. Of a lot of these, oh yeah, it is the first line of this book. You see, you're smart. You're no, smart. I just, I just <laughs> flip back to the prologue. Um, <laughs> but it's an echoing of the blue line, oh, totally. and then of course the next one is, "Was this all there was?" <gasps> That's all there is. That's all there is. And it's like the next day, and Gansey's missed the fundraiser, which you know we really give zero shits about. Yeah. I mean, all things considered, and granted, like, you know, the family doesn't know, although Helen has suspicions. She would, because she's a a flawless goddess. I'm so sad that we don't get more Helen. (sighs) I know that you have your own life, his mother said to his voicemail. I was just hoping to be part of it for a few hours. Man, nobody lays on the guilt like a white lady. (laughs) I was just going to say, hashtag mom guilt. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sure, I don't think my mother has ever done, said anything that shady, but like, that is just, especially, if, I mean, she doesn't know what he's been doing. She thinks he's off, you know, dicking around, but like, he's, you know, he's been, he's got, been through the most significant disappointment of his life. Well, and like Helen really drives the knife in. I suppose the king will always win, won't he? Oh my god. He Except he would have to call them, time. but what would he say? Guilt was building in his chest and his throat and behind his eyes. I know that feel. <laughs> oh god. Glendara was dead, he'd always been dead, and Gancy kind of wanted to live. Oh kind of. God. Just a smidge. Uh, can you read the next chapter after that? Uh, the next chapter? I mean, the next paragraph after that. Um, eventually... Eventually... Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, go Eventually, Gansey heard footsteps approaching in the leaves. This was terrible, too. He did not want to stand and show them his teary face and receive their pity. The idea of this well-meaning kindness was nearly as unbearable a thought as his approaching death. For the very first time, Gansey understood Adam Parrish perfectly. Whew. <laughs> Oh my god, that that felt like a knife to my chest. Yeah. It was just like, oh man. These like next, like, however many pages of just everybody feeling so awful is pretty awful to read, to be honest. It really is. And I, and Blue is trying to be there for him, and... He is just, he is, he's 
I feel so bad for this kid. <sighs> anyway. And so they're trying to, like, come up with another game plan. And it's, like, the most half-assed game plan of all time, right? Uh, yeah. I... It's them grasping at straws and magic. I love, I love, um, when, when they start broaching the, like, well, it looks like Gansey's going to have to die, um... No, said Ronan. He didn't say it in a protesting way or an angry way or an upset way. He simply said no, factual. Ronan, no, <laughs> factual. I didn't just come get you out of this hole for you to die on purpose. That broke my spirit a little bit. Um, oh, God. <laughs> Occam's razor suggests the simplest explanation is the right one. We decide that is me, that it is me. And, of course, Ronan had no idea that Blue knew he was, like, saw him on the landline. I know. Ronan finally catching up to what, like, Blue has known this entire time, and Adam's known since last book, and Gansey's pretty much suspected this whole time. Um, yeah, poor Ronan. It's like he had enough going on without them filling him in on that part. So I might as well do something meaningful, meaningful and kingly. The last bit was a little melodramatic, but it was a melodramatic situation. True. I think it's fitting. I think you're getting King confused with martyr, Henry said. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And so Adam basically comes up with this plan where they kill him on the ley line at Cave's Water and hope that him sacrificing himself for a few moments is enough, right? For to kill the current, and, the, and you won't be you won't be like really dead. <laughs> just, He'll just be mostly, mostly dead. dead. Yeah, exactly. And hopefully that's enough to where they can bring him back, and the demon will have died. Yeah, I could scry into the dream space while Blue amplified it, and during one of the time spasms, we could tell your soul to return to your body before you were ever really dead. So you fulfill the requirements of the sacrifice to die. Nothing says you have to stay dead, which sounds like an airtight plan. <laughs> there was a long pause. Yeah, there'd be a long pause after that where everyone's just like, this is all we got. Okay, okay guys. <sighs> they didn't look thrilled, but they looked willing, which was all that mattered. They only had to want to believe it, not really believe it. That's so sad. It's like, yeah, yeah, guys, this is going to work. No, no, it's not. (laughs) We all know this isn't really going to work, but okay. And then they had only just started back toward the cars when Adam attacked Ronan. What? (laughs) No. 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 (laughs) Did you write no again? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Because this is honestly where I was just like, I had to keep putting the book down because it was just like too much. much. It took Ronan too long to realize that Adam was killing him. Yeah. So Adam's being possessed by the demon. This is, this is for sure. And I, and and the demon's trying to kill Ronan because Ronan is the dreamer. Right. And so the, the demon possesses Adam to kill Ronan. Because Adam has given himself to the forest, which the demon has killed. 
So the demon is control of, is of what's left of Cape's water. So this is what the demon does to attempt to, I don't know. Like, what are the demon's motivations? I'm so confused. Oh, I mean. <laughs> just destroying everything, just, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's basically just set out to kill. Um, so, and Adam being so closely tied to Cave's water, which is being destroyed, um, he's able to take hold of him. And this is like kind of the culmination of like the beginning of the book where his eye twitches and his hand feels possessed. And now that's coming to a head. Um, Mm -hmm. and then of course there's the line. Um, so Adam's attacking Ronan and Ronan's just kind of taking it. The choice was death or hurting Adam, which wasn't much of a choice at all. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) And Adam is trying to fight back, but he can't because like literally they have to like tie his hands back. I know. To, Which and Adam's begging them to hit him so he he'll stop trying to attack Ronan and oh, Adam's and like, like no. Adam pulls out blue stitches like it's horrible. <sighs> um taking a step back like I, I when I was rereading it um I thought this was such a brilliant um cuz things kind of come to a screeching halt after they find Glendower. Because it's yeah. like just kids sitting around making a plan, which isn't terribly interesting. And, you know, going back to the idea of like every single chapter raising stakes, um, this does it so well because now the plan isn't good enough. They're seeing that they have no time and anything that they could think up like isn't going to be enough. They're seeing firsthand like the extent to which. Um, the unmaking is happening and and it, and because it's so personal it's like it's what drives them into like real action and it's i just think it's so good well and it's also the culmination of what's been going on between adam and and, Ro- and ronan of just like this thing that was like this this you know little ball of light throughout these books like this happiness they both had is now literally in peril like yeah. they're destroying each other or one of them's trying to destroy the other. And I just know like, like my shipper heart was just like, no, no one gets to be happy in these books. I know. No one gets to be happy for long. And all Adam cared about was his autonomy. Like that is literally his entire struggle. I know. In and now this is like the ultimate, like, he has no autonomy and he's attacking Ronan and it's awful for everyone involved. Um, I, I know that at some point it's been translated. I just forget. Did you translate what Ronan says into Adam after the like possession is over? For sure. Um, it's a Virgil quote, which when you study Latin, you read a lot of the, like the things that, um, Latin, like the, the Roman thinkers were saying, because like, that's a lot of the written record of Latin. Sure. Um, and this is what it means. And perhaps it will be pleasing to have remembered these things one day. Basically, I'm just like, even though you're fucking trying to kill me, we're going to laugh about we're it. Gonna look <laughs> so it's basically the old, like the very old, someday we'll look back on this and laugh. Yeah. It's the, the flirty Latin version of that. I love it. And it's too much for me. It's too much. 
you asshole. But Rona could hear how near tears he was. This is going to be an amazing scene in the show. I, I can't, I can't even, I can't. I'm so excited. Um, Guys, the whole Tumblr meme of like, I am all out of cans. (laughs) (laughs) We still have the show coming. It's so exciting. Anyway. Yeah. Let's not forget that because like how traumatic is this going to be to witness? (sighs) It's one thing to read it. It's another thing to watch it happen. I'm quite sure. What's uh like, what's sci-fi's like gore threshold? Because this, this could get gnarly. I think, I mean, Battlestar Galactica was on sci-fi, right? I think so. I feel like that got a little gory. Like, people were definitely roughed up. Yeah. I mean, I didn't watch, I watched, like, I think, like, 75% of the first season. Um, but, like, it was pretty dark. I mean, it's not going to be, it's not, like, the Raven Cycle directed by Quentin Tarantino, but, you know. There's oh, lots of opportunities. Thank God. But there's lots of, uh, there's lots of opportunities for, um, well, and, and interestingly enough, I hear that the magicians is actually getting quite good. Oh, maybe we need to <laughs> like check it out. Like see what we're getting into. Well, I, I've heard it's on like, it's like on the third season and it was kind of bad for a little while, but it's actually getting better, which is not which the is, usual trajectory. Not um, really. But, like, it definitely gives you hope that, like, sci-fi is going to keep stuff around. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, that, that's literally what I was just going to say. It's like, well, if it was that bad and they're... But now it's getting good and it had the time to do that, that gives me hope. <laughs> well, I think it's on Netflix because... Um, oh, is it? Like, yeah. it's. I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix because it keeps... T- Netflix keeps telling me to watch it. Oh. Because um, Netflix is creepy as hell. Um, but like it's basically what I've heard the like one line summary of it is like adult Harry Potter. Okay. So like a like the adult version of Harry Potter, like you, the maybe like the new adult version of Harry Potter. You know. Oh, it is on Netflix. All right, everybody. All right. So our homework. We'll report back on the blog. <laughs> our, our homework is uh, to go watch it and see what we're getting into. Anyway. Uh, back to... No, President, Henry said out of breath. Cross them like this. Haven't you seen any cop dramas? <laughs> Henry for MVP. Seriously. You know he, he watches, like, Law & Order while he's, like, playing video totally. games. Yeah, Law & Order on one TV, video games on another. Because <laughs> that's the kind of money he's got. <laughs> So, I fucking died. Uh, The orphan girl crept in close. She carefully undid the dirty watch on her wrist, and then she fastened it on one of Adam's, (sighs) on one of Adam's loosely above where he was tied. Then she kissed his arm. Nope. Thank you, he said dully. Nope. Then to Gansey in a low voice, I might as well be the sacrifice. I am ruined. And then Blue says what we're all thinking, which is no. (laughs) Blue, Gansey, and Ronan all say no. Oh my god! <laughs> then Henry, let's not get carried away just because you tried to kill someone. <laughs> Henry with the perspective. Oh man, definitely. Oh god. Oh, chapter sixty. Depending on where you began the story, it was about Cindy Ock. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Let's just get that out of the oh. way. 
Um, some of the things that are important to me, um, Henry is the middle of three sons back to the Trinity. Oh, yep. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to skip like five pages because I don't care about any of this. (laughs) Sorry guys, but I really, really don't. (laughs) Super don't. Um, I do. This is, this is when it's basically at the demon like show and tell. I don't know. We do get some past gray man, which I guess makes it worth it, but we get a little bit of Piper being Piper. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, <laughs> don't use that past progressive stuff on me. Piper said, I read an article on how you have basically been undercutting my personhood for my entire life. And that is totally an example. Oh my word. Oh my God. What a brat. I love her. Um, and so like, she's like, Hey guys, come by my demon. And everyone's like, um, what? <laughs> And it's the weirdest episode of Antiques Roadshow ever. Oh, it's so true. And the Lemoniers are there, and I don't care. We don't care. Um, I'm going to plug the audiobook for the 10,000th time, because uh, Will Patton doing a French accent will give you life. It's amazing. Really? Oh, yeah. I haven't listened to that. Oh, yeah. Oh, Interesting. Because I think of him as, like, Southern twangy. I know, but then when he does Lemonnier, he has a French accent, and it's amazing. <laughs> so you're telling me that Will Patton's going to make me listen to Lemonnier? I mean, you can, and then you can listen, and then you can, you know, advance 30 seconds. Um, because who cares? And then Piper shot, I don't care. <laughs> Sorry. Bye, that, bitch. That's terrible. I mean, we like Piper. Piper's definitely the most fun of the the bad people that are actually bad. Yeah, you know, she's got some solid lines. No, she's no, like, she's my she's my favorite of the of the like bad people we're supposed to care about in these books. But um, yeah, but uh, again, I'm just like, whatever. Can we can we get back to the kids? Let's be real. Can you read the first chap- first beginning of sixty one? Because it destroys me adam cannot decide if this was the worst thing that had happened to him or if it felt that way because he had been so recently and senselessly happy that the comparison was making it so (laughs) adam has been senselessly happy you guys when has adam ever been senselessly happy (sighs) never in his goddamn life but then he totally made out with ronan lynch and he's been senselessly happy that's the most important takeaway from this. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what I'm here for. Um, and so poor Adam is just like he's destroyed. Yep, he's he can't even trust his own body. I know he's tied up. He's blindfolded, and you know he can't hear out of one ear. So he's basically like, you know, he's this poor kid. <laughs> yeah. God, God, he'd nearly killed Ronan. He would have killed him. He had only just been making out with Ronan, and his hands would have nonetheless murdered him while Adam watched. Yeah, that's a real roller coaster of a new relationship. <laughs> oh, man. That is not your typical, like, Ronan, you know, YA gay kid problem. Ronan calls into unqualified. Um, so I just started this new relationship, but uh, he tried to kill me the other day. <laughs> Oh, my word. 
But don't worry. There's like an accentuating circumstance for it. He didn't really try to Let kill me, me. Hold on. Let me back up. This is out. not a domestic violence situation. <laughs> Depending on where you begin the story. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, oh. oh, and like Blue like strokes his hair. It's so nice. Hmm. I love their friendship, guys. I love all of the friendships in this BMW. I love everyone in this bar. Um, <laughs> oh, and then the street is like bleeding. <laughs> is that what happens? Yeah, for some reason. Cool. Um, okay, we haven't talked about how... What if... Okay, your your thoughts on... Gansey trying to avoid his responsibilities. Oh, <laughs> what I said in the Google Doc. Yeah. Um, I said, what if Gansey low-key chooses to die so he can get out of trouble with his family? Hashtag relatable. <laughs> <laughs> that would get him out of returning some of those horrible voicemails. I mean, voicemails. it's like, well, listen, Mom, I, I know I didn't show up to the fundraiser, but there's a really good reason. Um, anyway. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so everyone starts bleeding black blood, all the dream things. And it's the demon trying to undo Ronan, correct? Right, something was happening to Matthew. And something's happening to Orphan Girl, something's happening happening to Ronan. And this is told from Adam's point of view, which is just, God damn it, Adam. I know, such a, like, amazing choice to write it from the point of view of the person who can't see anything. It's so good. It makes the, it makes the... And can't do anything because he's tied up. Yeah, it makes the anxiousness, like, so good. It's so good. Oh, my gosh. Okay, guys, maybe it's not so bad. (laughs) I've totally 100% come around. Um... Yeah, no, it's it's like I think it helps it helps with the frenetic energy of these last couple of chapters. Um and it's just I it's just I don't want to think about Ronan being unmade, you know? I know. And how it's like and and Adam just being completely destroyed by the fact that uh i mean it says in adam was nothing but a weapon to kill him faster uh, it's so horrible god oh and he so he kind of so adam kind of like he starts scrying within the blindfold uh, which is interesting yeah, that was really cool um and he's able to talk to persephone again and i think we understand that he's talking, he's not really talking to Persephone, no, right? No, I think it's just like the Persephone that's always in his mind. Right. It's like an amalgam of like every time that they'd kind of been together, you know? Yes. And like she's just, she's there to help him talk himself through the whole problem of like, I've given myself to Cape's Water, the demon owns Cape's Water, what do I do? Right. And she makes the point of that you never made a deal with the demon. Right. And so you are still free to do what you want. Right. Even though they look the same and feel the same, they are not the same. 
The demon has no claim to you, and you didn't choose the demon. You chose Cape's water. And, and yeah, I mean, thank goodness for Persephone. R.I.P. I know. Um, and I think, doesn't it kind of sound like um, you have to keep choosing it is like a grander metaphor for um, like Adam cutting, like Adam letting go of the power his dad still kind of holds on him. Um, that it's like, Oh, I like that. Like, it's not just, it's not just getting out of the trailer park. Like every day he has to choose that he's not going to let his dad or his family have that power over him. And he's not going to let past Adam have power over current Adam. Right. It's, it's like this, you're going to have to every day. Cause sometimes it's going to feel like you're right back there, but you're not. Um, Oh, that, that just pinged my heart. <laughs> These eyes and hands are mine, Adam thought, and they were. He didn't have to prove it. It was a fact as soon as he believed it. He turned his head and rubbed the blindfold off of his eyes. He saw the end of the world. Oh, my word. And so, demon be undoing shit. And he's having, in the next chapter, I should say, um, the demon is having a hell of a time trying to undo Ronan because Ronan is, you know, as the psychics described him, in book one, he has all the creative force of the woman who was carrying triplets. So, like, maybe you can't just undo this kid as easily as, yeah. you know, you've undone everything else. Oh, these chapters go so quick. And it ends with Inguibus at Rostro, which, you know, oh, takes right. us back to... God... Wanting to live, but accepting death to save others, that was courage. That was to be Gansey's greatness. No. No. <laughs> I've decided that's not... No. <laughs> I refuse. It has to happen now, he said. I have to do the sacrifice now. Now that the moment had come, there was a certain glory to it. He didn't want to die, but at least he was doing it for these people, his found family. You know what? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the found family. So she literally calls it a found family. I know. And Maggie gets it. She knows how to torture us. Um, and they're, they're still not really anywhere near Capeswater and Declan is calling. And there's just, there's a lot happening. And it's all traumatic. Yeah, I mean, again, it's like it starts with Adam attacking Ronan and then the demon trying to attack Ronan. And it's Gansey's like, we don't have time, guys. Like, this this is what has to happen. And so they untie him. And, God, it's just... And he whispers to Orphan Girl, it's going to be all right. No. He tells Blue, you already know what we chose. Ugh. Gansey bumped fists with Adams, and they nodded at each other. It was stupid, inadequate, but they are bumping fists, and everything is a little bit okay. I know. And Ronan's claws back to consciousness, and it's just, it's off. There's black ooze coming out of his nostrils. I, thanks for everything, Henry. 
Gansey said. You're a prince among men. Henry's face was blank. Henry doesn't have words for the first time. Blue said, I hate this. We're with you, Blue. (laughs) That pretty much sums it up. Oh, my God. I love these silences where we're just, like, reading the book and we forget that we're recording a podcast. (laughs) It'll be okay. I'm ready. Blue, kiss me. It's happening. (sighs) He said the thing. Oh, my God. And there's rain and flowers and... It was beautiful here, and Gansey loved it. It had taken a long time, but he'd ended up where he wanted after all. Blue kissed him. He had dreamt of it often enough, and here it was, willed into life. In another world, it would just be this, a girl softly pressing her lips to a boy's. But in this one, Gansey felt the effects of it at once. Blue, a mirror, an amplifier, a strange half-tree soul with leyline magic running through her. And Gansey, restored once by the leyline's power, given a leyline heart, another kind of mirror, and when they were pointed at each other, the weaker one gave. Gansey's leyline heart had been gifted, not grown. He pulled back from her. Out loud, with intention, with a voice that left no room for doubt, he said, "'Let it be to kill the demon.' Right after he spoke, Blue threw her arms tightly around his neck. Right after he spoke, she pressed her face into the side of his. Right after he spoke, she held him like a shouted word. Love, love, love. He fell quietly from her arms. He was a king. Depending on where you begin the story, it was about Noah Cherney, which I will give her this one. This one makes sense. I agree. And that's why it. I hate that we had all of these other ones leading up to it because it doesn't make it as impactful in my humble opinion. But anyway. But yeah, so like I when I was reading this, I think I actually gasped when she got to Noah because like Noah hasn't been around much. Not since he have we seen him since he like attacked Blue? No, they've mentioned him once or twice, but I don't think we've seen him. And, and like Noah's, it's basically Noah telling, kind of telling us what's been going on for the past seven years yeah. and what getting murdered is like and how like he doesn't, he has trouble with chronology because time is a circle when you're a ghost and it's I I do feel affected by it just because like we had all that time where we get to know Noah and he was so charming you know yeah. dead Noah like was far better than alive Noah but like you still feel bad for this kid no Noah had been sucked into Gansey's spirit life instead which was a different line entirely um okay so what's your hot take on what's happening here because I have one. Oh, then tell yours, because I truly have no idea. <laughs> okay, this is at the bottom of 417. As soon as Noah died, his spirit, full of the ley line, favored by Cave's water, had felt spread over every moment he had experienced and was going to experience. It was easy to look wise when time was a circle. Um, Noah crouched over Gansey's body. He said for the last time, you will live because of Glendower. Someone on the ley line is dying when they should not. So, and so you will live when you should not. Gansey died. 
Goodbye, Noah said. Don't throw it away. He quietly slid through time. I'm fine. It's fine. Whatever. It's That doesn't affect me at all. <laughs> um, so my hot take is that, of course... Noah was the voice that right. Gansey heard when he was 10 years old. For sure. But my point is that Noah took the place, or Gansey took Noah's place in terms of being alive on the ley line. And so in order for, for Noah to be able to move on, his unfinished business was that he had to wait until it was time for him to sacrifice himself so that okay. Gansey could come back. And that's why he's been in limbo for seven years, because they had to get back to this moment. Yes, and they had... And even remember when, earlier in this book, when Blue is like, why haven't you moved on? He's like, I can't. Oh, yeah. He has to wait for the right time, and this is the right okay, time. Okay, that makes sense. Sort of. St- I mean, yes. <laughs> as much as, as much as like time being circular makes any of this make sense. Right. That's how it makes sense to me, though. It's like, it's such a beautiful image, though. Like, I'm I'm legit getting emotional that he's, that he don't throw it away. And he just kind of quietly goes away and he's finally free. And it's horrible because they're not going to see him again. But at least now he's, like, at peace. And, oh, boy. <sighs> Noah just knew he had to keep doing it until the moment. He only had to stay solid long enough to make sure it stuck. Here he was, Gansey, so young, twitching and dying in the leaves of a wood at the same time that Noah, miles away, had been twitching and dying in the leaves of a different wood. Like, just the symmetry. Like, they both died at the same time on the ley line. that's horrible. And so they have to die together (sighs) for the circle to complete. Teresa, I'm so sad. I'm really sad. It's okay. Oh, my word. It's just really good. Even Noah said he doesn't want to be alive anymore, remember? Because they they were talking about, like, how we're going to try to get you back. He's like, I don't know. That's not what I want. I know. It's just really sad. I'm okay. Let's go to 66. (laughs) Blue Sergeant had forgotten how many times she'd been told that she would kill her true love. No shit. It, like, it's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to see it happen. Yeah. After everyone had warned you that it was going to happen. Right. If you kiss your true love, he'll die. All right, so um, we've decided, in the grand tradition of killing the author, which is, like, a lit crit thing, where basically, like, we get to think whatever we want. It doesn't matter what Maggie says. <laughs> No, it's a legit I thing. Know. We're like, if if you can make an argument for it, then you can just decide that it's canon. Right. Like, Maggie, whether or not Maggie has a say in this, I don't really give a shit. Because I have decided that Noah sacrificing himself and everybody remaking Gansey has made it so that he can, he's a different person. So he... He will not be unmade by her kiss. He's like, okay. he's part, he, I mean, I don't, I still don't understand a lot of it, but he's got like, he's brought back to life. He's not going to get, no, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
I understand it's not all about kissing, but let these children have something, please. Please. Let them have a non-lethal kiss. Let them okay? just like for once have something. Maggie is so anti-kissing books that I swear she just, because it's not like it ever explicitly says in the book, but somebody on Tumblr at some point after the Raven King was like, hey, so uh, like Blue and Genzi can make out now. And she was, she said something to the effect of like, no, he's still toast. And I'm like, no, then what was even the point? Like, not the point is so that they can make out, but like, what, what has this all been about? That like blue just has to continue to live with this prophecy hanging over her head. No, I I don't accept that. My hand is on my forehead right now. I'm resting my hand on my forehead because like I just don't want them to live in a world where they're constantly parsing like like the whole like fanfic problem of like well they can't kiss but they could do other stuff right. I know, <laughs> and it's just like who wants to live in that kind of I world? I know. I mean, like. Uh, I just, again, apart from just like shallow, like let the kids make out standpoint, I, and other people on Tumblr have articulated it way better than I can, but that it does seem very like what, then what is Blue's journey if not to get out from under this thing that's been like over her head her entire life? It's so unfair to Blue. It's so unfair to Blue. Like, she like she fulfilled the prophecy it happened it is null and void now like the end it's it's not the prophecy's problem that he came back to life like (laughs) (laughs) i i just like i think it it would be so incredibly unfair to you know because because her whole her whole thing is like she doesn't want to be defined by what she can or can't do right like she can't predict the future she can't kiss her true love or he's going to die or like she will kiss her true love and he's going to die, I guess is like the better way to put it. But like her whole life is divided up into what she can and can't do. And, but she wants to do all these other things like, Oh, she can't afford like four year college. She's going to have to go to community. I it's, it would be so unjust to say that even after all she's been through over these four books, no, sorry, like this prophecy still holds true. We're going to have to go through all of this all over again if you kiss him again. No, I flat out reject it. Sorry. No, I, you are the giving end. me life with that rant. <laughs> life given. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway. No, it's, that's exactly how I feel. Like it, it's just, it's so unnecessarily like stick to your guns of Maggie to just dig her heels in on that. Yeah. And, like, I mean, she's totally allowed to change her mind on that. We would not. We'd be fine with that. I know. And, like, it just, it just seems like nothing, like, there's no change. And, like, these books are about change. And it would just be a shame if, like, Because then what, God. then what is, I mean, we'll get to the epilogue, but, like, what is... That's great that, like, they're going to go to Venezuela, but, like, what is Blue's greater, like, 
what is what is like the greater gift that like blue gets you know it's like ronan can like finally sleep again and adam is free from he like he is his own person he's free from the trailer park like gansey is a king so what is like noah finally gets to rest in peace but no blue is still cursed like no fuck that i i just like flat out refuse <laughs> I did not realize I had this many feelings, by the way. <laughs> I am. I love it. Uh, I could listen to you talk about Blue's future for hours. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to like write my thesis I, on one, like, <laughs> let Blue Sergeant make out. <laughs> no, I think that's what disappointed Female me agency about in this young adult literature. <laughs> <laughs> I would read that dissertation. All right, I'll get started on it. Um, no, I think that's kind of what frustrated me about these books is that we find out she's part tree and then she kills Gansey and that's kind of it. I know. The end. Like, she gets her big moment of badassness at the end of book three and, like, she is pretty much, like, the main heroine of these books. When was the last time we even got a blue POV chapter? It has been some time. It has been a long time. I think it was... Oh, you know what? I think it was when... She's dreaming about Gansey right before he gets called by the Ravens. Okay, so a billion chapters ago. Yeah, literally like 13 chapters ago. See, mm, no, I don't like that. Mm-mm. Hmm. We are Team Blue. Team Blue. For sure. Blue is, Blue is the first person to get us into these books. If you remember back to the Raven, I mean, boys. depending on where you begin the story, it's about Blue Sergeant. I'm pretty sure it's always fucking been about Any- Blue Sergeant. Anywhere Excuse you begin you. the story, it's about Blue Sergeant. Damn it, Maggie. Anyway, <laughs> um, we get this heartbreaking chapter that luckily is like mercifully short. Well, it's um, they're all weeping understandably because like they knew that it was coming but somehow they still don't quite believe that Gansey's actually like dead and Henry's like wait a minute <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> y'all are magic Henry says do your magic yeah, I just don't understand <laughs> what is the point of magic if not for this for what Henry stretched a hand over Gansey's body for him to be dead you said you were Gansey's magicians do something Thank you, Henry. I'm not, I'm not a magician. I, you just killed him with your mouth. <laughs> that one just dreamed that pile of shit beside the car. That one saved his own life at the school when things fell from a roof. Uh, Bless you, Henry. Henry, the voice of reason, always. And so... Every it's just everyone's just a mess. Yeah, Gansey's been dead so for messy. five minutes, and this whole thing is falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to speak to anyone because Dad's not here to make sure the kids are getting along. <laughs> Blue was already tired of a timeline without Gansey in it. We are too. Amen, girl. <laughs> Preach it. Um, okay, so this is not a half-assed plan. They're going to ask Caveswater to die for Gansey, which is lovely. Right? I, I don't know. Like, is there anything left of Caveswater? Like, Caveswater is not just a forest. I get that. But, like, I wanted 
what I wanted was for, I feel like it would have been more poetic for us figuring out that Noah died and Noah dying be the thing that brings Gansy back yeah. to life. True. Like, I, if we're going to go with the timeline of what she gave us, I would have preferred, like, the Capeswater, okay. Capeswater is magic. Capeswater can do, can imagine things. But, like, has Capeswater really done this before? Uh, well, it says it had never died on purpose before, but it had never been asked. That's true. All right, plausible magical forest. That might not actually be a forest. Um, I mean, so how does this work? Well, Cape's Water creates things with the power of suggestion, right? Mm-hmm. So when Gansey is thinking of what if these fish were red and then they turn red, so are they all just thinking of Gansey? Um, uh, I think... But it might be able to refashion him into something new. It just had to remember what humans were like. It's the it's, we're back to the tree magic. Like they're talking about, they have to remember that he's small. Right. Like she, um, images flashed from Cave's Water to the magician, and he whispered them to the psychic's daughter. He began. She began to direct her mirror magic at the trees that reimagined remained in Cave's Water, and she whispered, "Please," as she did, and the tear elince. Recognized her as one of theirs. Then Cave's Water began to work. Humans were such tricky and compli- complicated things. And um, it reminds me of when they ask her, like, do you do you ever dream of the stars? Right. And and just like like trying to remember to to keep him human and not tree. The psychic's daughter's sadness burst through the forest, and Capeswater accepted that too and put it into the life it was building. So, I mean, it's like they're taking parts of themselves, and Capeswater's fashioning that back into Gansey. Yes. The for- As the forest diminished, the Grey Warren's despair and wonder surged through Capeswater. The trees sang soothingly back to him a song of possibility and power and dreams. And then Capeswater collected his wonder and put it into the life it was building. Um, okay. <laughs> it had to remember what they felt like. It had to remember to make itself small enough. So, like... And finally, the magician's wistful regret twisted the twisted through what remained of the trees. Without this, what was he? Simply human, human, human. Caveswater pressed leaves against his cheek one last time, and then they took that humanity for the life it was building. Does that mean Adam's no longer Caveswatery? Uh, I mean, if there's no more Caveswater, then I guess not. It was nearly human-shaped. It would fit well enough. Nothing was ever perfect. Make way for the Raven King. The last tree fell, and the forest was gone, and everything was absolutely silent. Blue touched Gansy's face. She whispered, Wake up. <gasps> oh, dang! Oh, dang! And guess what, guys? These books end with someone waking up a king. What? And it was blue. So, okay, blue does have that moment, but still. Yeah. It's... 
Oh, oh my god. Oh my gosh. Okay, so we gotta we gotta we gotta power through this epilogue because a lot happens. I just want to mention one thing. There is an argument to be made that Gansey should have stayed dead. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Talk about that. Okay, so Courtney, our our dear friend, um, was she so kindly uh, told me her perspective on this and that the promise that that um, Maggie makes on every fucking page of these books is that Gansey's gonna die. Gansey's gonna die, and it's gonna be horrible. Everybody knows this. It's faded in like four different ways, and then he doesn't die. Well, no, he does die. He just doesn't. I know, but he doesn't stay dead. The point is that. <laughs> He doesn't stay dead. Uh, see, and like, no, we're splitting hairs I know. here for sure. And then, of course, there's also the argument to be made that like the death card in tarot doesn't actually always mean death. It can also mean rebirth. It can also mean like recreation. And like, this is exactly what's happening. Yep. Right. Totally. And so, you know, I think it's pretty clear that Maggie never intended to kill Gansey. I, like those are some deep, depressing books. I think so too, is. and I like. I think it kind of goes back to that conversation between Gansey and Henry, and I forget the exact line, but he's like, uh, "I think you're confusing King with martyr," and I think that kind yes. of would have been the note that the book ended on. Is that like it's it's better? Like, yeah, it would have been super noble and everything, but I think. I don't know to have him kind of like immortalized as like this this king who gave his life so that they could save others. It's kind of it's kind of like Glendower, right? Like he would have been somebody yeah. else's Glendower. This like this um like huge this huge story of like greatness and then like but but in the end it's just kind of dust. And with Gansey being resurrected and actually getting to live his life, like he gets to do something even more. And that's just being able to live, which like Noah will tell you, like is what he, you know, that's like the, that's like the big thing, you know? Oh, you're making me get emotional again. God damn it. (laughs) But yeah, I like, I, I totally get Courtney's point, um, that it is, you know, Maggie did say from the very beginning that he doesn't die. It is for sure. But I, I think to kind of preserve like the image of, um, I don't know. I think like Gansey gets to do a greater thing by getting to live than by like being preserved forever in this like mythical greatness, like Glendower, which like turned out to basically be nothing. Mm -hmm. So, that's my take. That's my hot take. I like your hot take on that. Um, so epilogue, which we were both pleasantly surprised oh by. Oh my gosh. Everybody. I, I can't believe that I'd ever forgotten that this starts with Adam driving to the trailer park in the BMW. Um, just like, how could you forget that that is fierce, so important to I me? I know, but like I, I genuinely, when I got to this part, I was like, Oh, right. Um, and he's just like fierce as hell. Um, does it say that he's wearing a leather jacket? Cause in my head, it just feels like he's wearing a leather jacket. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know Rona would love I that. I mean, really, truly, in my head, like, that's what he's wearing. Is that really not ever said? That's so dumb. I don't think he's wearing a leather well, jacket. I think he is too he sensible. Is. <laughs> I honestly, canon accepted. You know what? Honestly, I'm probably getting it mixed up with, like, a fic that I read. It's fine. Probably. I think I might even know the one. Yep. <laughs> No, I just love, like, I don't know. I, somewhere in my hazy mind, I felt like I sent you an ask where I said, can you explain to me why Adam is driving Ronan's car? And, like, maybe I dreamt this or whatever, but, like, I feel like you said, like, Ronan wanted, Ronan couldn't go with him, so he wanted to, he wanted Adam to have something of his with Oh my gosh, him. I don't remember saying that, but I'll totally take credit for it because I love it. Yes, <laughs> I absolutely said that. Go me. Because don't forget that Adam has his own car. I mean, it's a shitbox, but like... Well, I I mean, in all, like, in all honesty, I mean, again, I don't know if I said that, but like, it sounds great. Um, I... I think this is, again, like the growth of all of these characters. I think old Adam would not have let Ronan or would not have borrowed Ronan's car in fear that it would look like charity. And Adam doesn't care about that anymore or he's trying to care about it less. That's what I think. Like he doesn't need to take the BMW, but like he does. Well, and what an image it makes arriving at the trailer park. The BMW that Ronan had dropped Adam off in and then beat the shit out of his father with. Right, exactly. Um, And so, like, we don't have to go, like, line by line, but I really enjoyed this as, like, the culmination of Adam's story where, like, he just basically shows up at the trailer park and he's like, hey, guys, uh, I just want to let you know that I'm graduating and I'm going off to school and, like, whatever. If you want to be involved or not involved, but, like, if we can have any sort of relationship where you care, great. If not, that's fine, too. And what happens is that, like, first of all, the heartbreaking detail of Adam figuring out that he was always hiding alone because his mother oh, was never hiding don't, with him. Don't even, I can't even <laughs> like as a mother, that thought destroys me. Like it's, Oh, I am so sorry. No, it's just, it kills me. It, there was a reason why he had learned to hide alone not with her. No. <laughs> <laughs> and they acute, like she, he's like, why didn't you go to my graduation? They're like, you made it ugly. It's like, uh, you fucking beat the shit out of me and like well you he's, I, yeah ugly. he's like he's talking to his mom um i so it kind of feels like he only invited her yeah. i don't know well i would imagine there's some sort of like stay away from me edict oh sure yeah from the court case yeah you are not allowed within you know 500 feet or whatever I guess it's because you're begging to move back in now that you're all graduated and fancy and driving your boyfriend's Beamer. It's like, you know what, Richard Paris, whatever, whatever the fuck your name is, we hate you. <laughs> yeah, he's continues to be disgusting. Robert Parrish, sorry. Um, 
He's the worst. He's the true villain of these books. Totally. Well, and just like we, I love Adam because he's just like completely not destroyed by the fact that this is their reaction. I know. He's just like, he just yeah, like well, yep, that was expected. Um, I I know I, we can't quote the whole thing, but I another. Huh. He remembered how the neighbors used to turn away from his bruised face. He used to think stupidly that they said nothing because they thought he had somehow deserved it. Now, though, he wondered how many of them had huddled on the floor in front of their sofas or hidden in their rooms or cried beneath the little porch in the bitter rain. He felt a sudden urge to save all these other atoms hidden in plain view, though he didn't know if they would listen to him. Oh, my God. Adam. I know. He's just like get a social work degree. He just looks so like the whole image. Maybe this is why I think he's wearing a leather jacket. Cause he just seems like so <laughs> cool and collected and like a goddamn superhero who is like, no, he's like fucking Steve Rogers, he, man. Like his parents keep throwing shit at him and it just bounces off. Cause he has, he, I mean, uh, I, I can't even, and so Adam calls his father on his shit of, like, I can't hear out of my ear because of you. And I'm deaf in this ear, Dad, and that was you. Yep. Now his father looked at the floor, and that was how Adam knew that he believed him. Yep. I, it was possible that was the only thing Adam needed out, had actually needed out of this meeting, his father's averted eyes. Oh, my God. I love the detail that we get of, since like um, in, uh, what is it? Blue, Lily, Lily, Blue. Uh, the courtroom scene, since it ends like right before the actual proceedings start. Um, yes. That uh, Adam says, "You do you know I can't hear out of this ear? You were talking over me in the courtroom when I said it before. What a detail that like God. he, I mean, oh, how awful that all was. Um, God, can you imagine being that feckless and just oh, yeah. being that awful? I know. Oh, my God. Anyway. And so he leaves. Yep. And it's it's fine. Yep. He, you know, his you've grown up into someone I don't like very much, and I'm not afraid to say it. And he's like, okay. <laughs> well, fuck you too. <laughs> and he goes back to his boyfriend and hopefully they go like, you know, rake some leaves and then go make out. Like, please God, let there, let there be an ounce of happiness. That's 100% what happened. It's fine. Thank you. Um, and then we get to the second to last section of the... Of the epilogue. Right? Uh, okay, yeah. So now we're in um, Gansey and Blue and Henry going to find Blue's graduation present. Which, no big deal, is the dream car. It's the dream pig. That is the greenest car the, ever because it doesn't have a car. fucking engine. <laughs> Ronan Lynch has solved fossil fuels, everybody. (laughs) We just need dream technology. Exactly. Um, 
Oh, uh, one line that I wanted to point out was, um, oh, so like they're, they're like this happy little new triangle of Henry and Blue and Gansey. Um, school was over. Gansey had been for, bid for a gap year in one. Henry had always planned on one. Um, Blue spent months planning how to cheaply hike across the country. Um, it was better with company. It was better with three. Three, Persephone had always said, was the strongest number, which really struck out, stuck out to me because I like that there's this implication of even though it's kind of been this foursome through the whole books and five if you count Noah, it's just kind of the natural way of life that it's not always going to be that way. Um, that like the group is kind of splitting up and has extra branches. And now there's like Henry and Gansey and Blue and Adam and Ronan and Opal and... It's, and I just love that because that's life and it's, it's not always going to be as easy as like everybody just hanging out in Henrietta forever. You know, I really like that. You know what? That is uncalled for. I'm just saying. Like, it's so true of just the whole, the whole thing of like, most of these kids aren't going to stay and like Henrietta is always going to be home for most of them, but just like. It's when when you graduate from high school, the sadness of just like knowing you're not going to see most of those people, even the people ever again. that like you would swear till the end of time will be like your very best friends like forever. It's you know it's nine times out of ten not the case. Um, I mean, not that like you're, they're never going to talk to each other again, but I just see like I think it's just like a nice little like you know the the gangsy as we know it is splitting up, but it's going to be okay. Well, and it just, it gives us an idea of how the Ronin trilogy is going to go, too. I was just like, you know, we have to mention that, like, this is not the end of the story. Like, it's the end of this story, and it definitely ended, It def- Maggie definitely intended for it to be the end at the time that she was writing it, but there's going to be a trilogy yeah. of told from, like, the Ronin books, and, like, I can't imagine that, like, we're never going to hear from any of these characters besides Ronan ever again. Like, that's just seems... I don't know. She probably will just to spite us. <laughs> oh, she would. She would. Um, we know that Adam's in it, okay? Yeah, we, we know, know that much. We know Opal's in it. Um, and, like, we know that, like, there's more to this. Like, I, I would imagine it's going to be, like, kind of check-in, like, every, you know, book once or twice. What's what what's the traversing gangsy doing? Right. You know, and, like, there's they're not going to be, like, a major There's going to be the some action. mention of, like, like, Ronan at the barns and on the fridge. He's got, like, postcards from all of their, like, various destinations or something, you know? Yes. That's what I think. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's how this is going. And, like, I really appreciate the fact that, like, she's written the end as the beginning for all of them. Like, because Adam gets to go to school. Adam gets to go to school without the baggage of his parents. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the OT3 gets to go off and have their adventure. Ronan gets to be a farmer. <laughs> Ronan gets to be a simple gay farmer. <laughs> and, like... Oh, man. Uh, so, so yeah. the, the last part of this is is Ronan on his farm with his, his orphan child. And... And he... Yeah. He... And he gets... Oh, um, he, Opal finds the wheel of the... 
the wheel from what book two? Oh yeah, we finally get there. They had future adventures waiting the, for them on the ley line. Yeah, like this is this is just the beginning. It's it's a very like time is circular ending of like oh, totally. these adventures are going to continue. And like when you think about it, you can definitely. I maybe she did think that she was going to write more when she finished. I know. Books. Like she I was, she left it so open ended, so she at could. least for Ronan, which makes sense because Ronan's her yeah. favorite. Well, these books were were originally going to be just about Ronan, right. not everybody else. So, um, and so like finding that wheel again, they, a wheel is a fucking circle. Everybody, like let's let's get on the same page with this symbolism. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, circular magic. So back at the barns, Ronan thought about all the things he liked and didn't like about Cape's water and what he would do differently if he was to manifest it now. What would give it more protection against a threat in the future? What would make it better able to connect with other places like Cape's water on the line? What would make it a truer reflection of himself? Then holding these things in his head, he climbed up onto the roof and gazed up at the sky. Then he closed his eyes and he began to dream. The end. Guys. Oh, oh my this God. This has been the Raven Cycle Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we did it. <gasps> wow. That was big. Yeah. It's interesting because, like, I think we liked it a lot more than we thought it's, we would. That is so funny. We were We were heading into this so, like, fuck the end of this book. And now we're like... Oh my God, that's beautiful. Where's the Kleenex? (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. Well, I don't know. I guess that's the benefit of like a little bit of separation from it, right? Yeah. Well, I think, I think what doesn't do the Raven King any favors is that the end of the other books are so fantastic. Well, and makes you want to read the next one, but there is no next one until, until now. Uh, and like, I would argue it almost kind of suffers. Like, you know, when you read a book and you're like, huh, was this a nano project mm. where like they're about 75% of the, through the story and it, you feel like they're getting tired. Yeah. You know? Totally. It's like, it's like, it, it just, you just kind of feel like the, it's petering out a little totally. bit. And like, that's, I think about that when I, when I read books now where I'm like, was this a nano book that they're just like furiously trying to get to the end? Yeah. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, we have so many thoughts about this Oh, my this gosh. Book. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we did like it change, way more than we thought. Some, two hours and some change of thoughts. Um, I was worried this was going to be too short. I but. thought so, too. I was like, <laughs> oh, it's going to be... What if, the, what if the last episode is our shortest episode? Nope. <laughs> no worries, Wrong. guys. We got you. Um, okay. It's late. We should wrap things up, um, but we we have uh, some like housekeeping things, right? Yes. All right. Well, in the grand tradition of these episodes, I am going to re- recommend you all read a book called Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda, which, if anyone knows anything about YA literature, specifically YA literature with with an LGBTQ bend like you've heard of this book somebody has recommended this book to you goodreads has told you you should read this book it's shown up on your tumblr like you should definitely check it out because it lives up to the hype and like i enjoyed the hell out of it and it's going to be a movie 
and I'm very excited. And what's great about this book is that it's also, like, it's kind of inspiring its own universe. Like, there are two more books that are, like, based in this universe that are coming out. And I loved, I read the second one, and I almost loved it more than Simon. And Simon, I, like, wanted to hug this book when I was done reading it because it is so sweet. And it's the rom-com that, like, every gay kid deserves. And... I, it makes me really emotional. Um, but yeah. When does the movie come it's, out? And it, it's coming out, uh, I think, at the end of March slash beginning of um, April. I think depending on where you are. Uh, I've been watching the trailers, like, a lot. <laughs> They're good. I lost They're control so of my good. life. They're really good. And the the kid who's playing Simon is, like, a legit really good actor, Yeah, he's I think. really good. He was in another, he's, he's like now the face of like YA movies. He was in, um, <laughs> everything, everything, uh, the Nicola Yoon book that was adapted uh, into yes. a movie. Uh, and he's fantastic in that too. So I'm sure, I mean, just based on the trailers, it looks great. Well, and I'm like, you know, it's hard to be like, this is an epistolary novel that like, you're gonna like love. And I just, I like had such an emotional reaction to like figuring out the mystery of, of this, of this book that I don't want to spoil for anybody, but like it was, I was like yelling at the book. I'm excited to read it. (laughs) Anyway, so you have, you have something to recommend, right? Yeah. Um, I want to recommend a new podcast called Launch and it's hosted by, um, John August, who's a screenwriter, probably best known for Big Fish. And I definitely saw that movie yeah, when it came out. Which was really like it was really good. Um and he he's he decided to write a middle grade novel and the podcast just basically chronicles from like when he got the idea to to publishing. And it's kind of all about that journey. And granted, like, it's not the journey of, like, you or me trying to get a book published because he's (laughs) a big name screenwriter. Like, publishers are going to take his call. But um, but I but it's really interesting so far just to kind of, um, you know, how he just kind of had this idea and then started unfolding. And um, yeah, so launch on the Wondery Network and um I and then I have a bonus plug in case you're like, oh man, the Raven King's over. Now what do I do? You should go read a really excellent um, fanfic called "The Hang of Being Alive Again" by and the the author's name is Apple Crumbledore, which <laughs> I find delightful. <laughs> and it takes place um, immediately following the last chapter of the Raven King, but before the epilogue. And kind of fills in all of those, like, right after bringing Gansey back to life. It is excellent. So, 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 so good. Um, and it's it's mostly Ronan and Adam, and I love it. And I'll probably stay up too late after we're done recording reading it, because it'll feel like um, a little bonus chapter. I, I feel betrayed because you have not recommended this to that me. Is, that cannot be true. It is true. No. How have I never... Yes. Okay, well, then I'm emailing it to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I find that really hard to believe, but okay. 
<laughs> oh my god. It's it's like, super good. No, I you know I've I've read every Raven Cycle fanfic that you've done. That's me why I'm pretty like, I don't know. I think you're gonna open it and be like, oh right, this one, but maybe not. <laughs> I would remember that. All right. I would remember that. Um and then we have a reading su- another reading suggestion. We've definitely suggested it before. Right. We've dropped hints about this before. Right. Um, so you should go read the Scorpio races. And cuz we might talk about it soon maybe, perhaps. Yes. You know? Yes, definitely. Don't actually. don't unsubscribe yet. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, because we, we've um, been talking about doing um, a bonus episode about the Scorpio races. Um, and yeah, I think that's going to happen. Well, and good news for everybody. It is out there. On You can rent it from your library. You can listen to the audiobook, which is oh, so good. <gasps> so excellent. good. Like, it might actually be better than the Will Patton audiobook. Yeah, I mean, like, the guy who does Sean's voice is... Excellent. Oh. Excellent. <laughs> so good. Um, I'm lighting a cigarette mentally I know, right? right now. Uh, uh, this is a story of magic seahorses and uh, repression and, and Irish folklore and class and bread. And did we so mention good. repression? And so much repression. Yeah. And baked goods. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think Maggie said, like, Scorpio races is about bread. It kind of, I mean, like, you know what? Not wrong. Actually, not wrong. Depending on where you begin the story, it was about bread. About bread. Yep, totally. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so go read the Scorpio races and, uh, you know, keep checking the feed. And, I mean, once the show starts, I feel like you'll you'll be hearing from us again. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if we're going to do, I mean, well, we can talk about this later, but, um, in some fashion, we are going to have thoughts on the, on the show that we're going to want to share. So this is not the last um, of us. Hello, everybody out there, executive producing the Raven cycle podcast. I mean the Raven cycle TV show. We are around. I I haven't gotten any calls. It's been a little insulting. Um, yeah. Um, (laughs) we're here to offer all the hot takes you need. Any consulting that you need on um, anything, we're here. <laughs> Just please, please. <laughs> oh, God, Caitlin. It's late. It's late. We got to go. We're loopy. Um, All right, guys. Until next thank time. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Thanks for going on this crazy journey with us. It has been amazing. Please feel free to keep stopping by the Ask Box. Um because we we love talking to you guys and love hearing your thoughts and your fan casts and um you guys are you guys are just awesome it's like so nice it's so amazing to see this like dumb little idea that we had um that people actually like (laughs) listen to It, it makes our hearts so happy so thank you thank you we're doing this for us but also for you and yeah we're so excited that this has changed our lives, I think, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's inspired us for mm-hmm. other creative projects and um yeah, it's yeah. It was a good idea. I'm glad we did it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. All right. Good night. Until next time. See you later. Bye. Bye.